That one goes out to my boo, Maddie. I love you, Beebs. Hey, I'm Ben Tompkins. This is Real Talk, and this is Uber Stories Part 23. Happy Valentine's Day to all of the loved ones out there. Hope you guys had a good Valentine's Day. It could be a tough day sometimes when you're single. You know, you put the C in single. If that's you, you know, shout out to you on your solo grind. That's cool too. But I'm very glad that I have found somebody to share those kind of days with. Because I went a lot of years without sharing that day. That day didn't mean shit to me. That day was a day that I indulged myself with whatever the fuck that I wanted to do. Food, candy, whatever. I mean, you name it, I was doing it. And it was a day for me. But now, I'm able to share that day with my special person. And I'm really excited because... I'm going to get to share a week out in Las Vegas with my special person. That's right. We booked a trip out to Las Vegas. We're going to go out there and spend a week. You know, she's about to go off at the end of this month. Uh, Okay, wait, not this month. Uh, Our trip is going to be in March, first week in March. So at the end of March, that month, almost there, she's going to be leaving to take her first job in the real world. She's going to be the events coordinator out at the Grand Canyon for a company that does glamping, and so she's going to be making sure that everybody that comes out has a pretty awesome fucking time, and I'm excited for her, but our time is getting limited, you know, and it's kind of a sad thing, so we figured, hey, you know, we want to go somewhere special to celebrate, and uh, what better place to go than Las Vegas? I mean, come on, man. We're going to stay at the Flamingo Hotel, which is uh, not, I mean, look, if if I had it my way, we would stay at the Aria, which is where I've stayed before. That was a really, really nice one. Um, and then when I went out there for, I planned a bachelor party and I flew out there with 12 dudes. That was uh, a pretty great weekend. We stayed at Mandalay Bay, I'm pretty sure. So this time we're going to stay at the Flamingo though. And if you know anything about Las Vegas, uh, it, Las Vegas was, was founded basically by a mobster, okay? But it's a a great story because this mobster, his name was Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. He never called himself Bugsy. His friends didn't call himself Bugsy, but people called him Bugsy because he kind of had a tendency to flip the fuck out every once in a while, okay? But the reason that I like Benjamin Bugsy Siegel and the reason that uh, we're staying at the Flamingo out of, you know... Look, we're not trying to like drop hella racks, and we we figured let's spend a little bit less money on the hotel and the accommodations, and then have more money to go and play with, right? And so we definitely aren't staying in the worst hotel on the strip, but um, you know, kind of right in the meaty part of the bell curve, I'd say the Flamingo is compared to some of the other ones. So we're like, okay, cool. And out of all those other ones, I was like, well, let's stay here at the Flamingo because Benjamin Siegel. Benny, okay, Benny went out to Vegas and just saw desert, but in his mind, he was a visionary. He saw this big place where hundreds of suckers from all over America were going to come and dump money into the mob. That's basically 
what he was setting this place up for. And he booked out the Flamingo. He, he built it from the ground up. It went way over budget. The mob thought that he might be skimming money. He wasn't actually initiated in La Cosa Nostra. He was of Jewish descent. So him and Meyer Lansky, they ran the Jewish crime syndicate here in America. And they were longtime pals with Charles Lucky Luciano. And so the three of them kind of had this thing going. They send Vinny out to Vegas. He completely builds this thing from the ground up and is one of the main reasons that Vegas is what it is today. And there's a really great book that I was reading that I picked up on the last trip that I had out to Vegas. It's called When the Mob Ran Vegas. And basically it's a bunch of kind of old time, you know, nostalgic stuff about some really good stories, some mob stories, some Vegas stories, how it used to be, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, Benny Siegel was the one, man. He was the one. And, uh, you know, look, Benny's. You got to listen to the Benny's, man. They're the visionaries. They got the great ideas. And, uh, you know, sometimes we might not always see it to the end. You know what I mean? Uh, but we get we get things going. And, uh, yeah, so we're staying there to pay homage and respects to Benjamin Bugsy Siegel. And I'm really excited. So, um it should be a lot better weather than we're having here in Louisville. Oh my God, the snow! Uh, like, I can I just I fucking hate snow. If I'm not going to ski in it, I'm a skier. Uh, some people snowboard. Either is cool. If I'm not going to intentionally be in the snow, then I fucking hate the snow. And honestly, I hate it because my car gets all messy. Uh, you walk in and your shoes are wet everywhere you go. You're squeaking when you run into the gas station or Kroger. And it's just not ideal because the thing is, you know, it's, it's I haven't been able to drive a lot um, this week. So I had enough stories to do today's episode. And then next week, I'm probably going to be running a little bit light on content because I'm not driving right now with the snow. I'm a little bit scared to, to be honest. Not that, look, listen, I'm a great driver. I am. I mean, look, five star, baby. But uh, the thing is, you know, my mom was like, how are the roads, how are the roads, how are the roads, you know, because I'm going to the gym in the mornings, but I'm not driving uh, Uber. And the thing is, yes, they might be a little bit bad, and they certainly can be dangerous. And if you don't commit to going 20 or 30 miles an hour slower than you usually do and just being like, fuck it, I don't give a shit who honks, I don't give a shit who gets mad, I don't give a shit if somebody's riding my ass, that's their problem. I'm going to make sure that I have my shit on lock. I'm going slow. Everybody else can fuck off. I'm going to go 40 miles an hour on Gene Snyder. I'm going to go 20 miles an hour on 42 or Hurstbourne or wherever the fuck I'm going. And that's smart. Be like that person, okay? When there's snow on the ground. If you're driving that slow, usually, then you suck. Get Stay home, okay? But if you commit to driving slower and not being flustered if people get mad, and if you commit to taking turns at no more than five miles an hour, and yeah, the turning lanes, they can be a little bit worse off than kind of the the main roads and stuff like that, but if you just commit to doing these things, giving yourself enough time and space and distance to stop safely, then you'll be fine. You can get to wherever you need to go. Um, For myself, going to the grocery store or going to the gym, I have no problem doing that. What I have a problem with is bringing somebody into the car and having uh, long hours that I'm exposed to potentially other shitty drivers. I don't trust other people. That's what it is. I'm, I'm, 
I'm worried that I'm going to be driving and you know somebody hits me and somebody can't stop and I get fucked and you know I'm just I, I don't want to do that you know if, if you don't need to be on the road for that long it's one thing to just be running somewhere and running an errand whatever but if uh, I'm out there on the road for long hours of time that that means there's gonna be some really because dude <laughs> you know it's like we bitch at people who can't drive in the rain imagine how bad they are in the snow I've seen them I've seen you people. You're fucking terrible, man. Somebody should you like driver's license is something I believe that you should have to reapply for every 10 years. I don't understand why we let old people drive when they got tested in the 1950s. Like they should have to prove that they can drive a car again. You know what I mean? Like um and old people are always like, "Oh, they're they're trying to take my driving privileges away." Yeah. Listen, Betty, if you suck at driving and you're a risk to other people on the road because you're going so fucking slow and there's no snow on the ground, then yeah, maybe we should take away your driving privilege. Or at the very least, you should have to prove that you are capable and deserving of having those driving privileges. I I think that's fair. Some might say that's ageist, but you know what? Who cares? (sighs) The stories. (laughs) The stories, okay? The stories pre snowmageddon which honestly was a fucking joke. I mean, I kept waiting and waiting and waiting, and we did get some accumulation here, but it was nothing like they said. You know, they said to batten down the hatches. They said it was going to be the most snow we've ever seen in a certain 24-hour period of time. They said, "Please stay home. Don't go to the gym." They 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 fucking lied, and they were wrong. And that's Usually how it goes a lot of times. But the stories on this week's episode, okay, include 1,000th Ride. This was a uh, this was my 1,000th ride. I, I've reached that point. And it was a really good ride because I picked this guy up from work and I was kind of helping him with some career stuff and gave him some really good stuff to think about. So, And uh, it's advice that I think could translate into anybody's job really I mean so we'll get to that uh white girl wasted you know a lot of times people when I tell them what I do hey I make a podcast about being an uber driver they think that it's just a bunch of drunk people 24 7 and they're actually really surprised when I'm like yeah that's basically five percent maybe that of the rides that I take um but (laughs) this is one of the stories that you would think that I typically get all the time. And this was very funny. So white girl wasted Mrs. Limonis, a female business leader that had a good story, accounting error. This was good. And new beginnings, some perspective to keep about COVID and about when, when things are ending, you know, a lot of things in 2020 came to an end and you can be bummed about that or you can have the perspective that, me and this writer shared in this final story that we're going to end on today, New Beginnings. If you haven't done so already, follow me on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram at BennyTomp18. I'm starting to get a little TikTok famous. No, I'm just kidding. But one day, you know, one day, who the fuck knows? Uh, Facebook at RealTalkWBennyT. Um, for my music people out there, I know a lot of people ask about the music that I use on the show. 
Go to Apple Music and on Spotify as well, but there is a playlist that I keep running every single week. I continue adding to it. It's all the music that I use on the show. It's on there, Real Talk with Ben Tompkins. You can find it on Apple Music and Spotify. Um, Also, I've been creating a lot of playlists to share and for people to listen to. And I just, you know, a lot of times... I have had songs that are on my phone that I've had for so long, just the MP3 files, and I realized that if you go to somebody's profile and you look at their playlist, if they create playlists, like some some people don't, right? But if you're a creator of playlists and you are adding songs to it, there might be some songs that you've had on your computer for 10 years that don't show up. And so I've been going through Apple Music and making sure that I'm adding songs to the playlist so that it'll show up if I share it. And it's the same playlist. Now, some songs, you know, aren't on there, certain ones, uh, certain remixes and stuff like that. And that's okay. But majority of them are on there. So I've been going through and making these playlists. I made the Sunday service playlist that I listen to with my writers. It's all soul music, uh, Motown hits. It's fucking banging. So that's on there. I haven't, uh, I don't think I've made these on Spotify yet. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm an Apple Music user and um, that's what I'm going to do first, and eventually I will get to Spotify and add these things on there as well, so my Spotify listeners can get on there and download these playlists and everything like that, but uh, for my Apple Music people, these are the ones that I have up, so I have Sunday Service up, I have obviously the the Real Talk with Ben Tompkins one. Um, for my punk rockers, I went through Middle School Me is a playlist that I've created. It's all punk rock. It's all the punk rock hits that I was banging in middle school. A lot of Sum 41, Newfound Glory, Blink 182. It's uh, the Good Charlotte. You know, it's a bunch of bands like that. And, you know, I, I, I think I've talked about this before. I just, the reason that I resonate with, with punk rock at the time, I had a few friends that were big punk rock fans. And uh, the reason that I resonate, that rap resonates with me so much is that I could connect with what they're talking about in rap music and in some of these punk rock songs, you know, where the dad's gone and the family's broken. I connect to that. I relate to that. That's that's my experience. A lot of times when I'm listening to a rap song and they're talking about my dad's not home, mom is, you know, trying to go to work, like I got to raise my brothers up, like that to me is my experience. I've lived that. And even though I'm not black, like I have that shared experience. And so a lot of times I'm listening to rap music and I'm I'm like identifying with that, right? And that's why it's such a, a piece of me. And that's why it's my favorite uh, music. You know what I mean? So I connect with that. I connect with the punk rock thing because yeah, a lot of times like go listen to Dear Father or go listen to Walking Disaster. Like Middle school me was walking around banging that shit, okay? So my punk rock fans, um, y- y- that's there. And it's just funny because, you know, I, I have so many different uh, <laughs> personalities, I guess, or just, you know, kind of times in my life where I listen to these different music. You know, I got soul, I got punk rock, I got rap, I got the EDM tropical house thing. Um, I'm working on putting together my, my rock, you know, some classic rock. I really like a lot of 80s stuff. I'm not necessarily a big, big rocker, but I like a lot of 80s stuff. So, you know, kind of that shit. But, uh, 
And then some of the playlists that I've created for different music festivals that I've been to. So Coachella 2019, Hangout 2019. Um, I had a, I have a really big one called Euro Trip 15, which was basically if you if you uh, <laughs> if you need like a like a EDM and Tropical House 101 course. Euro Trip 15 is for you. If you're not very familiar and you're wondering what I like this music, Euro Trip 15 is for you. I would send it to anybody that you're trying to get more involved with those songs or if a friend is about to go to a music festival for the very first time, be like, here, listen to some of these songs and you'll probably fall in love with the genre. It was the playlist that I kept running while kind of like my last year in college and then being over in Europe, going to my first music festival and totally learning this whole new world of music and feelings, right? That wasn't like, that wasn't rap or that wasn't punk rock or that wasn't R&B. This was something brand new to me that I was like, whoa, this hits with me. And now maybe even more so than rap, EDM has become my favorite genre of music. Kygo is pro. Kygo and Drake are neck and neck, dude. It it is a really tight race. I'll keep you updated as power rankings continue throughout my life. But this is a playlist for anybody like that. That uh, you know that this was this thing was like I was just building it as I went, and I when I first kind of discovered this and started looking at all these different songs and going, ooh, I like that one. Oh, I like, ooh, that's sick. Oh, I love this. Ooh, the saxophone. Ooh, I love the little voice. Just all of that kind of shit is reflected in this playlist. And it's a masterpiece. And uh, I'm going to continue to do that. I also have like my Another Day in the Trenches. That's my hard rap. That's going in the gym or waking up in the morning, juicing myself up between rides if I'm like close to that incentive or close to the end of the night and I need a little bit of juice. Another Day in the Trenches is what I go to. So I will have all those on Spotify eventually, and uh, it takes a little bit of time, you know, but uh, I'm having fun with it, and my Apple Music people definitely go and download those, and I think you'll really like them. I think you'll really like them. Uh, A couple more things here before we jump into these stories. Uh, If you're looking for new shows, okay, with all this time that I've been spending not driving and anticipating Snowmageddon, like they said, okay, uh, I've been watching a lot of different shows and new stuff. Um, and so if you're looking for new shows, you should watch Your Honor. It's on Showtime. It's with Brian Cranston, the guy from Breaking Bad and and uh, Malcolm in the Middle, right? And he's a judge and his son in this very first episode. I'm not going to like, like this isn't a spoiler alert because if you watch the very first episode, you'll know. So I'm not like giving anything away here. But his son kills a kid with his car, it's a hit and run, he has a asthma attack, freaks the fuck out, drives home, okay, leaves the sign, like this, leaves this kid dying on the road, um, his dad is like, hey, what the fuck, we need to go report this, drives him to the police station, and while they're walking into the police station, they see the most notorious crime figure in New Orleans, and his wife, and they're crying, and you figure out that the kid that laid there in a pool of his own blood in the street, that the judge's son left there to die, is this mobster's son. And so then, Brian Cranston is faced with this decision, and really the show gets at this question of, how far are you willing to go to protect the people that you love? And one lie 
becomes a million lies and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And the whole time you're thinking, no, no. And it's just a fucking 10 episode ringer. So it's a mini series. They're not going to make another season of it. It's really good. It's, it's like a, basically like a long movie. So I think um, if, if you like kind of the crime thing, the mobster thing, um, some kid, you know, that, that you know, I, I like I said, I don't want to give too much away. If you watch that first episode, you're going to see all that stuff. And then what I'm what I'm not giving away and all the spoiler alerts are what happens after that first episode. It's a wild fucking ride, dude. So go on it. I I, I did it in two days <laughs> and I'm not ashamed of that. OK, it was that good. So your honor, that's on Showtime. There's also another one on Showtime. It's a five part documentary series called Outcry. This one is about a Texas high school football player that was the star in this little town. I think it was Leander. And, you know, in these small Texas towns, football is everything. So this kid's a god. Well, he's living in this home that is ran by booster parents, okay? For whatever reason, he wasn't living with his parents. He had gone to live with his booster family, and the booster family runs a daycare out of their house. Well, him and this kid that looks very identical to him, who also plays football and is this kid's best friend, they're living in this house together, and this family's putting him up. The family runs a daycare. There is an outcry that's made, which is when somebody, a victim of sexual abuse, speaks up and says, you know, there was an abuse that happened, okay? Well, there's a four-year-old that says, this kid molested me. So they arrest this kid, they put him in jail, and he was innocent the whole time. He was innocent. And they never, ever looked at the other kid that looked just like him, that was a football player, that was living in the house that he did. The prosecution, they thought... We've got our guy. We don't give a fuck what the evidence says. We're taking him down. And they ignored a lot of shit. And if you like documentaries, if you like true crime, if you like exonerations, I mean, this is this is a really good one. It's called Outcry. That's on Showtime. Um, also, there was a documentary that I bought on John Belushi. That was really good. Um, I finally got around to watching the Tiger two-part series on HBO. That was really good. And then, as far as movies go, I know this is a lot. I binge a lot of movies and, and TV shows, and I will not apologize for it. Jungle Land is one that I, I bought and watched on Amazon. And uh, it's almost like a knockoff version of The Fighter with Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale, right? Remember that movie? They were brothers. One was kind of a fuck-up. They, they were both boxers. But um, Jungle Land is the same thing, basically, except it's with no-name actors. And one of them is a bare-knuckle brawler because he's been banned from actually fighting. And his fuck-up brother is basically getting him in this world of shit. He throws this fight because he knew his brother had money on it. I don't know. That that part doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why he would not want to make more money, even if he knew his brother had a bet on him. But anyways, he throws this fight. Well, then the dumbass gets himself into a position where the local gang there is like, okay, well, you threw this fight. You're in debt, a lot of money to us. You have to transport this girl to Reno. 
and they don't know anything about this girl. They don't know why they're taking her there. And then over the course of their of their journey to Reno, you start finding a bunch of stuff out. They're leaving. They're supposed to be leaving from Reno to go out to San Francisco to fight in this underground world of Chinatown, where they have this big tournament for bare knuckle brawlers. And it's it's a fighting movie. It's pretty savage. It's really good. That's called Jungle Land. Someone Great was a movie that I watched with my girlfriend Maddie for Valentine's Day, and uh, it was good. It was her choice, and I actually liked it. I and I actually did enjoy it. A lot of times we end up watching what I want to watch. <laughs> And I try to, you know, make concessions where I can. My thing is, I know I'm not going to miss, you know. I know that these recommendations, minus Jungle Land, I kind of took a, you know, a leap of faith on that one. And it wasn't that bad. Um, But I know that I don't miss on these recommendations. But when other people tell me to watch a movie, I'm like, "Ah, is everybody telling me to watch this? Does it really suck? Does it probably suck? Are they lying to me again? You know? Uh, I don't know. The collective they. It's always there. But she picked out someone great, and we watched it on Valentine's Day, and it was a great movie. She has great taste, too. So I say that about your girlfriends, not about my girlfriend, okay? Um, It's actually, I, I learned this, it was the movie that... Truth Hurts by Lizzo came out, and that's where that song blew up. And so when they were singing it, I was kind of like, damn, this shit kind of slaps. This shit kind of slaps, don't it? And obviously, I'm, you know, I'm not new, all right? I know who Lizzo is. I know the song Truth Hurts. But when it came on in the movie, I was like, oh, shit, this is kind of... And she was like, this is actually where this shit debuted, and it blew up after this. Debuted on the top 50 billboard, and then ended up reaching number one, and Lizzo... Uh, you know, rose to the star that she is now. So that's where that started. And then I've I've been watching some older movies too. Um, we didn't watch this one on Valentine's Day, but I wanted to. But we I ended up watching it the next day. Bonnie and Clyde with uh, Warren Beatty, old school baby. And then I watched Great Gatsby, the old school version with Robert Redford. And then I watched Bugsy. You know, and all three are love movies. I mean, really, you know, with some crime elements. And some great acting. I mean, you got Warren Beatty and you got Robert Redford. And, uh, I mean, I rest my fucking case. So, that's what I've been doing with the snowstorm and kind of in the interim of driving and not wanting to uh, have somebody's mom or, you know, some 17-year-old high school kid slam into the back of me or drift while I'm waiting in a turn lane and they're coming into the... and they just fucking plow into me like the wall at Daytona. I'm not having that, all right? I'm not having that. So... That's what I've been doing. I've been making a lot of playlists, and I've been watching a bunch of shows and movies. And I'm going to Vegas in March. That's only like that's like two weeks away. I'm pretty I'm pretty hyped about that. So we'll probably have some good stories from that. But for now, I've got these stories for you. Uber Stories Part 23. Let's get it. Thousandth ride. Let's call this guy Joe. All right, I picked Joe up from work. He worked at this machine shop. And they produced parts. I'm always really hesitant to give away too many details on some of these, like where people work. Obviously, because I don't want anybody to uh, be like, hey, I only work with five people in this place. It's not hard to figure it out, right? So I'm always hesitant to give away too many details because I don't want anybody to be talking about stuff 
going on at their work and then have it get back to their boss or one of their coworkers and then make things uncomfortable for them. So, um, you know, there's going to be a handful of details that I change in order to protect the identity of my riders and I'll wear that for you guys all the time. And this one isn't even like, oh my God, I, I can't believe, no, 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 no. Uh, Joe and I spent the first part of the ride talking about what they do at their shop and who their biggest contractor is, what he does there. And I asked if he was an engineer and he said, no, no, nothing like that. But I did go to school to learn the machine trade. Oh, that's cool, man. How long you been doing that? Uh, it'll be seven years in July. Damn. Yeah, it was my first job. I started working there when I was 17, sweeping the floors. And they've been pretty good to me. They paid for my trade school, which was cool. But a lot of good machining jobs, though, are out west. Yeah, what's the next step for you? Well, some places have asked me to apply and offered me home and stay and help with the move. And if I were to do that, it would double my pay. I mean, it's more expensive out there, but I don't know. It's North Cali, so we'll see. Yeah, I know how that... Yeah. Yeah. I know how that goes. Even though on paper you're making more money, factor in the cost of living, a lot of times it's barely even a raise. But if you're working at some place that's probably like pretty remote, one of these big factories or they're probably going to have space that's not directly in the city. And so I would think maybe being remote would mean it would be cheaper and housing would be cheaper, but you never know. Yeah, right. I mean, it wouldn't be like I'm in a high traffic area. But if I were going to do that, I'd have to join a journeyman's program somewhere in another machine shop because my current job doesn't do that. They are pretty laid back, not the best benefits, but it's super flexible and they take care of me in other areas. How did you transition from sweeping floors into the next thing? I'm curious about that. Just being a good employee, I guess, being on time and craving more. See, I wanted to run a machine and you have to be 18 to do that. And I was just a few months away from turning 18. So I swept the floors those first couple months. And then after that, I was just learning the basics, learning being good at it, getting faster, and just progressed as time went on. That's cool, man. That's a good story. Starting from the bottom and working your way up, you know? It's getting there. But, man, I'm hitting a wall. I'm getting to a point where I'm like, can I go any further here? Or would somewhere else be better for me? And I said, you know, a lot of times we've reached those ceilings and you're faced with a tough decision. Like you said, it's pretty comfortable. You've got some flexibility there. They obviously trust you. But how high can you continue to go if you're feeling like you're maybe maxed out an opportunity for you to rise at that spot? Or maybe you stay there, but they pay you an extra 10 or 20 bucks an hour. And then you're like, okay, I can stick this out for a little bit more. But sometimes moving up means moving on. So it might be another opportunity with another company where you've got some more room to grow upwards. So if you're feeling like you're maxed out there, then you need to either have that conversation like, hey, what do you guys see me doing? And what's kind of your plan? Because I need to know. And then based off that conversation, I would just start looking around or maybe try and negotiate a better situation for you there and just see where it goes. He said, yeah, if I were to leave there on good terms, that is a spot that would always take me back. Good, yeah. 
yeah, you should always try to end things on good terms. And I'm sure they'd understand too, you know? He said, yeah, I can't just go in there and say, hey, I need more money or else I'm gone. A good conversation is hard to come by sometimes. I said, it's all about framing. If you just say, I'm strong arming you for more money or I'm leaving, they'll probably be like, fuck you. Yeah. He says, yeah. I said, but if you frame it as, hey, I got, I don't know, do you have kids or anything? No. Okay, that's good. Good for you. All right. Anything that you could say that's going to justify like, like how can anybody blame you type shit? Oh, my mom's sick or I got kids or I got student loans and I need to make more money and I think that there's opportunities for me elsewhere that I can do that. I want to stay with you guys, but if we can't figure something out here, then ultimately I got to make the best decision for me moving forward. And I think anybody, if you just come to them and you're real with them like that, they'll probably be like, okay, I see that. But some people are unreasonable. Do you like your boss, I ask? He says, yeah, to an extent. And just to add on to you, my boss is a little unreasonable, a little hot-tempered. It's not like I'm trying to put him on the flames, but he has no problem assuming something or taking something the wrong way and then dishing it back on me. That's why I said a good conversation is hard to come by because it's a little toxic at that shop for the superiors and the way that sometimes I can be treated. It's a give and take. It's good in some areas, but then I got to roll over and take a beating every once in a while. So yeah, I kind of feel that way when it comes to a conversation about something serious, about moving on and getting taken care of. So... Definitely. Framing is a big part of that equation. I asked him, is your boss the owner of the shop? No, it's a mom and pop shop and he is closely related, but he's not the owner. There's a handful of family members all in officer roles. So it is kind of that favoritism, nepotism and keeping it their way kind of thing. Because I was excited to come in and be a young gun and be like, hey, let's, you know, machining is at an all time low right now. Nobody wants to become a machinist. Let's start a program. Let me get you all into figuring out a way you can talk to my school. Let's get an apprenticeship going. I said, that's a good idea. He said, yeah, I thought so too. They didn't listen to your good idea? No, they didn't want to bite it off. That was about two and a half years ago. That's when I really started thinking about what my next best move could be. Because I'm okay now. I can roll over and deal with their punches for a while but I definitely won't be there when I'm 30. I'm giving him three years. I said, I think you know what you need to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just (sighs) scared. Of what? Fear. Well, not scared of fear, just both. Um, I don't know, I guess just being jobless for a while, but that wouldn't be the case if I kept the job and applied for one and got one, I guess. I don't know, I I guess... The unknown is what I'm nervous of. I said, yeah, that can be tough. That can be really tough to jump and you don't know what's on the other side of that leap. But I think you got to do it. I I think you got to do it. And I think you owe it to yourself to do it. And I think if you're working somewhere and you don't feel appreciated or utilized as best as you could be or that you're not happy with, that people aren't listening to your fucking good ideas, 
then you deserve to find that somebody that's going to treat you the way that you deserve to be treated. (laughs) And I think, you know what, Um, I think that's as good business advice and job and career advice as it is relationship advice. Don't stay somewhere where every time you go to give somebody a, a good idea or open your mouth or make a suggestion, it's just kind of shit on. Or they just pat you in the head and say, oh, you're cute, you know, we'll, we'll keep you around. It's like, that's so fucking demoralizing. That's so fucking belittling. Are you kidding me? Like, no, no, no. That Don't patronize me. Like, I do have good ideas, and you guys should listen to them. And maybe if you did listen to them more often, we wouldn't be in the shithole that we're in, you know? And, and not all, that's the thing, is like, not all businesses that don't listen to the employees' good ideas are unsuccessful. Sometimes they are successful despite not ever listening to things that could make them more successful. And that's the reason that they don't listen to them is because they're like, well, things are pretty, things are going pretty good around here, Bob. Hey, what do you say, Bill? Yeah, they don't listen to anybody, though. And then, you know, that's fine today. Where are you going to be 10 years from now? You know, if you can't pivot, if you can't get some of this good shit in here, like this guy's like, guys... No one wants to do this. This is going to be something that all of the industry deals with. Why don't we create a pipeline for ourselves from universities to get young people interested and motivated and want to work for us? That's a good idea. And this company's like, no, we we're we're good. You know, hey, you know, you just you just, you know, you sweep the floors and you do this shit. And it's like, dude, good God, man. And same thing for relationships. I mean, Listen, if if uh, you don't feel like you're appreciated, then you have no business being in that relationship. Why would you want to stick around for somebody that doesn't respect you or see you for what you are or treat you the way that you should be treated? You're too like you're too good for that. Fuck that. Fuck that. All right. So this is good, and, and it can be used interchangeably for anything. But uh, no, I like that one. I like that one a lot. And if you're in Joe's shoes and you're also in a relationship that maybe you're kind of second-guessing or you're in a position at a company or an organization that you're kind of thinking about second-guessing, here's what I want to leave you with. And I just want you to think about this, and you can come back to it whenever you're ready. But what do you want to be? And where do you want to be? And if all that you do, and if all that you continue to do is everything that you've done, like... Kudos to yourself because everything that you've done up until this point has gotten you where you are, and that's great. You should celebrate that, right? But then where are you trying to go? Who do you want to be? Where do you want to be? Because if you continue to do everything that's gotten you to this point, well, the furthest that you're going to get is this point. So how do you move up? What are the next steps? And sometimes that means leaving somebody or something or somewhere and moving on. And I know that that leap is tough. I mean, it, it is tough. The unknown scares the shit out of me, just like it scares the shit out of everybody that I know. Because we're all the same, right? We fear what we don't know. But that shouldn't keep you from making that jump. And, it, and just know that, okay, I don't know how it's going to land. It might be terrible, but it might be also the best thing that I, I could have ever fucking done in my life. I mean, me leaving the radio station and leaving sports media all together and doing this, this is this is going to be the best decision that I've ever made in my life. And I was scared to do it, you know? I was scared to do it. But now I look back and I'm like, God, why did I wait so long? A lot of times that happens. And sometimes you make the jump and it's not what you thought it was going to be. And that's okay. That's okay too. 
But at least you did it, and you can live with that, live with the results, not just the anxiety of what if, what if, what if, what if, like, fuck that. Who wants to live in a world like that? I don't. I'd rather know. Give me the results, man. You know? Like, let me go down this road and figure out where the fuck it's going to take me. And even if it's the wrong turn, okay, at least I definitively know this lane isn't for me. And, and that peace of mind, I think, can take you a long, long way, my friend. But really, I guess the thing that I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with here is uh, the quote from Cinderella's story, man. Fucking banger of a movie. Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game white girl wasted so a lot of times when I tell people what I do they naturally assume that I deal with a lot of drunk people that's probably a fair assumption right you're probably thinking okay I, I you know yeah yeah I right is it not you know like I lead a lot of people and they're like oh man I couldn't deal with the drunk people and I'm like you know what actually and when I start breaking it down it's a very small percentage of the riders that I actually encounter. And a lot of that is because of the the, the hours that I'm driving. Um, I don't do a whole lot of weekend stuff, especially not like peak going out type shit. Um, and, and then obviously with COVID, um, the weeknight, you know, the dinners, the business people, like that's kind of died down and, and waned over the summer and over this entire year. So the rides are different. But... Uh, yeah, I still get every now and then the occasional like really drunk person. And sometimes, you know, drunk people suck to deal with. They can be a pain in the ass. They can be annoying. But then there's also drunk people who are just funny. They're just fucking funny. And <laughs> sometimes I sit there and I'm like, man, thank God I don't have to like take care of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when I tell people I make a podcast about being an Uber driver... These are the types of stories that they're always expecting me to tell. So here we go. I pick up this couple. Names aren't important. And it's like dinner time on a Thursday night. I pull up. He opens the door. He says, hey, Benjamin. I said, hey. And she goes, oh, my God. That's my kid's name. It's a great name, I say. It so is. My other one's is Steven. Nice. I know, right? Thank you. Ben's better. I was a teacher, and all the kids' names ruined it all. I, I know, like, what is this shit right here? Is this really what these cars have? And she had gotten in, and she's looking at the screen monitor on the back of my car, you know, the, on the back of the seat. I go, mm-hmm. Did it come like this? He says, mm-hmm. And then she goes, oh, what? what is this door thing? Is this like a... He says, oh, is this a massage thing again? Uh, it doesn't massage, but it reclines your seats. But it reclines your seats. And I hear her behind me, and she goes, my bad. Wild hour. Wild hour. <laughs> and she's reading what's playing. And it's this mashup that I have. It's Galantis, Cash Cash, Oliver Heldens, and Hibble. And it's a Gabe Cerebelli mashup. It's called Wild Hour. It's not on Apple Music. You got to listen to it on YouTube and then use that YouTube to MP3 converter. And then you can put that on your own episode, on your own music library. That's what I told them to do. That's what I told her to do. That's what I had to do. And it's a banger. And I wish that it was on Apple Music or Spotify, but it, it just isn't. Some of those YouTube mashups and remixes, they aren't. But, uh, She's reading that off of the screen, right? 
And um, I'm like, she's like, wild hour, wild hour, like really struggling with it, right? And she's off in her own world. Her husband, I don't know if they were married or if it was her boyfriend or fiance or whatever, but he was kind of like tuning her out. And he was sitting there going, what was that car? We rode in like a, uh, and then she says, what's my password? I'm going to Shazam. And he's sitting there thinking out loud, like a Lincoln Town Car or something. It it had massaging seats. And she says, Shazamming. <laughs> and he says, so we're going to River House. I just wanted to make sure that that was correct. Yep. Cool. Cool. Um, It might not come up on Shazam. This is a mashup. It did. It did? It did. Right here. See, dude? Boom. Shazammed it. I go. And she's... St- and she's sticking the phone in my face. She's literally like, she's. I told you guys, it's amazing when I'm talking to people how how like they don't they for, it's almost like they forget that I'm driving, right? And they're like, here, look at it, read it, look at this picture, watch this video, and they just shove a phone in my face, and I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I don't want us both to crash and die, okay? But she's like putting this phone in my face, and because she's sitting behind me and drunk, and she's like reaching up, it's like really, really in my face. I'm like, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm driving, okay? I'll look at it when I can. And she goes, I know, don't talk to a drinker, right? Like, don't look now, right? (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. She faded, she faded. So we come to this stop at a red light, and I said, okay, let me see. And she said, totally came out. Uh, that's not it. Yeah, that's not it. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Just take a picture of this. This is a mashup. So if you go to YouTube and she says, I'll poop. So, okay, got it. Yeah, there's a YouTube to MP3 converter. And if you go to there, you can take any URL from a YouTube video and turn it into an audio file and then just add it to your library and it'll be on your phone. So I really want to be where that's showing. And on the, you know, which doesn't make any sense to me, like why why she was shazamming it, uh, why she wouldn't just take a picture of the screen that says exactly what the song is in front of her face, and she read it, you know, she was struggling to read it, but she read it. Well, there's also a picture of a beach and some palm trees, and that's like the album artwork that uh, that I downloaded and, and put into my thing, because obviously, I, I am so OCD, I cannot have a song in my music library without album artwork and all the details filled out. I am so OCD about that kind of shit. But that's who I am, for better or worse, you know. But she's looking at this picture and she goes, I really want to be where that's showing. And I, But I didn't know what she was talking about yet, so I was like, what do you mean? And he says, the beach? And she says, that beach. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 same. And then she goes, this is... And then this is the best part. She said, dude, you got to go to Tahiti. And as soon as she said that, her her guy goes, what? Like, like he was just so shook. He was like, where the fuck is this coming from? She goes, dude, we got to go to Tahiti. What? We, you Siri, he said, you've never wanted to go to a beach the whole time I've met you. And she says, I told you I want to go to Tahiti and stay in a hut over the water. How fun would that be? As long as the huts are on us. Like, that would be bullshit. 
as we're jumping in the ocean naked? Like, that'd be bullshit. Like, everyone's up on our shit? That suck ass. Sorry. <laughs> I said, oh, that doesn't bother me. I encourage foul language. <laughs> I'm terrible. I, you know, I just like, I said it just like that. I'm just like, you know, kind of like this little gentle instigator. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. She says, okay, good. And her guy starts saying this. So when I worked at Hilton, like Conrad, they had the Conrad Maldives in the Indian Ocean and it was all huts. They're like 1,500 a night plus. Honey, I want to... And you could eat that's, dinner like that's, under the ocean that's, in a glass enclosure I wanna, with like, like sharks swimming and shit around you. I am jealous. I want to... That's my dream to go there. I told you that though. How about that? I don't know if that'll stick around, but double voice tracks? I lay that under that? I don't know. Because sometimes I can't... You know, there's stuff that's being said while other stuff's being said, and I can't nail it the way that I want to, and there was just no way that I was going to be able to do that. So if it sounds kind of weird, me doing three different voices, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Now you know how it is to live in my head, okay? Uh, Right as she's saying this, Thinking About You by Calvin Harris comes on, and she goes, oh, Calvin Harris? He's not been in the world for a minute. And he says... You're not from Louisville, are you? I said, yeah, I am. Oh, you are? Yeah. Huh. You don't have the accent. (laughs) Yeah, I got lucky. He said, my mom's husband is from here, and man, you can hear her from anywhere across the house. And she says, oh, this song gave me no results. And I guess she was, I don't, this doesn't even make sense. She was shazamming Calvin Harris when it literally says, like, she's she's reading it in front of her face, and yet shazamming it, like, what's this song? And it's, like, right there in front of your fucking face. <sighs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, okay, I got to move on, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm about finna ready to roast this bit. Oh, Lord. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, do you like it here? And we talked for, like, four or five minutes about what's great about Kentucky, Basically, Durban, Burby, and basketball. Basically, Derby, Bourbon, and basketball. And then we talked about what's not great about Kentucky. Basically, Mitch McConnell and Rand Paul. He said that he had lived in L.A. for a little bit. So we talked about our experiences moving out there and coming back. And he said they lived up in Indy now, and they just came down a couple times a year just to get away. And all throughout this time, as we're having this conversation, she's in the background saying stuff like, like uh, he said, we like to come down and drink the bourbon because there's a lot of bourbons that we can't get up at Indy. And she's in the back going, yeah, we love to drink the bourbon. And he said, uh, we like the restaurants down here because it feels like a wider assortment of foods. And she's in the back going, so yummy. <laughs> And then uh, The Nights by Avicii comes on at some point, and she says, oh, I haven't heard this song on his, I presume this is before he died? I said, yeah. Which again, like, The Nights was well before he died. What do you mean? Like, you know? But this is the problem. I'm, I'm like trying to like 
rationalize with with a drunk person you know what i mean and and uh you know look i you know she's just she's having a good time back there i'm not judging her you know i'm just uh like uh yeah you know that's a, my thing with drunk people i don't have the patience i don't have the patience for stupidity and if i have to be around uh not sober people while i'm sober that just it's not very fun so that's why in limited doses i can take rides like this and she's back there being funny and uh and cool but you know Somebody's drunk. They're back there fighting, or they're, they, you know, they're. You don't know if they're gonna throw up or not, or you know, it's just fucking. It's just bad news, man. It's just bad news. But she says, uh, I, pre- "I, I presume this is before he died." Like, yeah, yeah. She said, "So I like brother," and he goes, "Wait, who died?" Avicii. He did brother, and so I, I have two masks on. That's fucking awesome like what the fuck and she looks at him and says i don't need to drink anymore but i gotta drink more i'm calling myself out and he said maybe no more shots she says well all right (laughs) and she says what's your car hyundai equus jack you should get this hun yeah yeah what year is this bad boy? This is a 2014. Really? This is way better than my Lexus. You think, he says? She says, I have a 16 Lexus and this shit, this electronic stuff you've got going on, this is way better than my... Hun, you should get this bad boy. And he says, but I like SUVs though. She goes... That's a SUV. This is an SUV. He said, no, it's not. It's a sedan, babe. She goes, no, this isn't. This is an SUV. This is just like my Lexus. And he goes, yeah, it is. Tell her. Tell her. And I go, you know, I didn't want to break her heart and tell her Santa wasn't real, but I go, yeah, it's a sedan. He goes, it's a car, babe. She goes, shush yo, you should be on my... And I'm pulling up as I'm parking as she's saying this. And he looks at me and he's just like, thank you so much. I go, hey, you guys have a good night, all right? He says, have a good evening. I said, yeah, man, enjoy yourselves. And they're opening the doors and getting out of the car. And the last few words that I can hear from her before she shuts the door are, damn, this is not really, it's fucking, boom, door shuts. I drive away laughing my ass off. This woman was shook. And that's this wasn't even this was th- th- wherever they just came from, like she got bombed there, and then I picked them up, and they were headed to dinner. It wasn't even dinner yet, and to think of where their night was gonna go from there, <laughs> I I don't want to think about it. But man, she was funny. She was just she was just on one, and just you know I I, I can only do my best like drunk white girl impression. Um, you know, I I'm probably didn't do it justice there, but it, it was it was top notch, dude. She was incredible. And I just the thing that I've still been laughing at, it gets me every time when she said, We should go to Tahiti. He's like, What? <laughs> it was just so fucking random. And she's like, No, I told you about this. Oh like oh man. Oh man. But, you know, I, yeah, I don't know how the rest of the night went, but you know what? 
I know that they got to where they're going on this ride safely. Miss Lemonis. So here's one that is some general business advice that I think transcends any kind of job or industry and is applicable to just about anything because while it is technically a business problem at its core, this is a people problem. How do you enter a situation and get a small business owner to trust you? How do you wrestle away control from a control freak and get someone who's always done it or had it their way to do it differently before their business fails? How do you do it in a way that's not going to elicit toxic pushback from them? Take a seat, I'll tell you, all right? So, Mrs. Lemonis gets in, and this is a play on Marcus Lemonis, obviously, you'll see. Uh, What are you doing today? I'm just going to work. Where do you work? I manage a restaurant. Oh, that's cool. How long have you been doing that? At this store, I'm probably in my fourth week at the store. I just transferred from Lexington. Oh, okay, cool. You moved up here? Yep. Well, I lived here for about 10 years, and then I transferred over to Lexington, and I was there for about a year, and then they just moved me back. Nice. Are you glad to be back? No. (laughs) I started to really like Lexington, she said. It's okay. You know, I only have to be here for a year. They usually move me at about the year mark. I said, you must be highly sought after. I don't know about that, but they usually put me in a place that has something wrong with it, and then I fix it, and then I leave and go somewhere else. You're like Marcus Lemonis. I don't even know who that is. So there's a show called The Prophet, and it's kind of like Shark Tank, except he's just one dude, and he goes out there to these small businesses that are like failing or struggling or in jeopardy of closing down. And he goes in there and either gives them a loan or becomes a partner in the business. But usually he has to like heal these people's relationships or at least get them to admit and try to work on their relationships because a lot of them are just like father and son or married couple or these dysfunctional business partners that have all this drama or all this history. And he goes in and he's like, all right, cut the shit. We need to get down to business or... I'm not making this investment. And they're really, really good. So that's kind of like you. You go into these places that are maybe or, you know, have been mismanaged or needs to get some shit right. And then they bring you in. You're there for a year and then you bounce. She said, yeah, but this is only the second store. She said, yeah, this is only the second store that they've brought me in to do this. And I fixed the first one. So I think that they're expecting that I should be able to fix any of them now. So I'm trying. This one's going to be a little bit more difficult just because I hate to say this, but the store I was at last, the owner didn't care. He was super hands-off and he was just really checked out. So it was easy for me to go in there and make a lot of these changes because I didn't get a lot of pushback. This place, however, the owner's been there for 17 years And I mean, even down to like the tiniest thing, like I could move something two inches and she'll just throw a fit. So this one's definitely going to be a lot harder. I said, some managers and bosses are really just control freaks. She said, so yeah, that's what I'm dealing with. I'm trying to figure that out. I said, I think for you, the best thing that you can do is make that person understand that you care, that you're there to help. 
that you want to do right by them and help them in their business, and that you're also there for a reason. Like, obviously, if things were going great and that they were the greatest boss or manager in the world, that they might not need to bring somebody in to fix these problems. So making them understand from the jump that you're there on their side to help them and that there are some problems that you're there to help them fix will shift their mindset from thinking, here comes somebody to tell me how to do my job. But that's tough. That's a, that's a really tough one. Yeah, thank you. So what do you do? I host a podcast. Oh, cool. What's it about? conversations just like this. I ride around all day long and I, I talk to people and I tote that reel. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was, that was, it was a pretty quick ride. But like, dude, that's, that's the thing is how do you go into one of these places, you know, um, all the time, HR people will get sent into a company or somebody will send in accounting people into a new, another company or you'll have to kind of float around to different locations or franchises as a, as a small business employee and you'll kind of be like working there as a, as a you know manager or whatever. And it's like, how do I get these people to make them understand that I'm not here because I'm a power freak, I'm not a control freak, I'm not here because my ego needs it and because I want to boss people around, like, I'm here because this company sent me in to do a job and because shit's fucked up and because I need to help you guys not be so fucked up, okay, so, and you can't say that, obviously, but it's like, I'm here because shit is hitting the fan, so let me help you, and these people who own businesses, right, some of them are just, they're neurotic. They're narcissistic. They're they don't know what they're doing, but they won't admit that to anybody. And certainly not to me and certainly not to you. Like, hey, I have no clue, right? Or you know better than me. Like, of course, if they're the boss, they're going to think that everything that they say is right and should be adopted immediately by you and me and everybody else. But that's not always the case. And so if you can go into one of these places and help somebody and not be like, hey, I'm so much smarter than you. Hey, I majored in business management and hospitality services. Hey, I'm this hotshot know-it-all that's coming in here to tell you how to run your shit because you fucked up. You can't say that, right? So there's got to be nuance to it. And I think if you go somewhere like that and you make somebody understand like, hey, I'm here to help you. I'm here because I'm on your fucking side. I'm on your team. And the, the, the survival of this business is what's best for me and you. So I'm here and, you know, please listen to me. Because like I was saying in one of these earlier episodes, like if everything that you've done to this point has gotten you here and yet you've hit a wall and things are starting to regress and you're not moving forward, well then maybe we need to find a different way and an alternative way to move forward. But some people don't want to do that. They just, you know, they 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 just don't want to do that. But I, I think, you know, if you reason with somebody and, and you connect to them and you make an appeal to them on a personal level, like, hey, I'm here for us. I'm here for you. I'm here because I want to see what's best for for everybody involved, your employees. And I just want I'm just here to help, man. I'm just fucking here to help. You know? Um every situation is gonna be different, but I think if you can tailor your pitch to that person. And, and kind of explain why, then hopefully it'll work, you know, but uh, some people, they just, they, they, they wouldn't take good advice if it, 
hit him in the face, you know? And that's sad. That's really sad. But that's the reality. But, uh, yeah, Mrs. Limonis, you got to love it. Accounting error. This guy worked for a big company that has a branch that services the military and the Department of Defense. I can't tell you what he does specifically or even generally. So just to make sure that I don't out him, you know, I've kind of left some stuff out and and maybe I shouldn't tell the story, you know, but I don't think that I've said anything that can really, really be traced back to him. Um, but he said he's been working in his field for a while and he said he probably would have moved on if he wasn't working for his current manager. Uh, he said, I've, I've had some pretty bad managers. I worked for a terrible manager at this name of the current company that he works for. He said, I wouldn't wish her on my worst enemy. She was god-awful. They have a lot of bad managers, too, because it's such a big company. I said, well, shit, sometimes I feel like it's not even that people deserve to be managers. They just need to give them a promotion, and they don't have anywhere else to put them. So they're just like, here, be a manager. But they probably give promotions to people that have no business managing other people. He said, that's very true. Um, this company is very true with that. They just promote everybody up to their own level of incompetence. So we talked about the bureaucracy of the company and how people with things like logistics or cybersecurity and their job title pretty much call their own shots, but that they should be used for legitimate things in the world, like tracking the Russians or figuring out how to avoid gridlock in big cities, he jokingly said, instead of doing internal reviews which is barking up the wrong tree because they spend all this time looking at their own people internally, but everybody that works for this company has to have a government security clearance, and anybody that tries to do anything shitty to the Department of Defense, like stealing or any other kind of shady shit, is going to go to jail. So you got to be a pretty fairly honest person to even get in the door. So I don't know why they spend all this time looking, looking at us, right? And that made me very curious. So I asked... What's the worst somebody's ever fucked up? <laughs> oh, well, they had a fuck up last year. And that's one reason why, who knows about our contract, they build <laughs> just idiots. I don't even like this guy either. He ended up billing one of our clients and basically put a couple of decimals in the wrong place. So they were basically charging double and triple the monthly premiums. And they had screwed up so bad that they were taking monthly premiums of $20,000 out of people's accounts. Oh my God. Yeah, it was bad. How long did it go on before people noticed? Oh no, they caught it like right pretty quickly, but that was such a big screw up. It was even in the Department of Defense magazine. They made it to the magazine? Yeah, they made it to the magazine. It was a huge screw up. Don't tell anybody that. I'm probably getting some trouble. I mean, it was huge. I just don't understand how they could have done it. Did that person get fired? Oh, God, no. He's such a dipshit. And the other person that was with them, the one I had to deal with, he's such a cryptic guy. They're so arrogant. They're young, arrogant. They think they know everything. And really, they just try to make you look stupid. Well, why are you asking these questions? Because, dummy, you're the one that wrote this bullshit that we're supposed to use. And now I'm trying to get clarification on how to run it. Well, <laughs> did you do this? Yeah. Well, you're not doing something right. Well, do you have any documentation? Yeah. And then his documentation is terrible. It's like they can't write either. And they're just they're just terrible, man. 
Like you talk about people who are the most unfriendly and not helpful. These guys are it. So I was glad like, yeah, you know, at least it didn't happen to good people. At least it happened to them, you know. <laughs> That's a pretty big fuck up. Uh, yeah, about like 26,000 beneficiaries were affected by this error. And they incorrectly billed amounts ranged from like $4,000 to, in some cases, $110,000 based on the set monthly premiums. And some people reported that their credit card companies blocked the charge. Uh, those people that were using checking accounts, they like had money withdrawn from them and they were automatically billed, and if they didn't have the money in there, then they were hit with overdraft fees, and it potentially cleared out their savings, like, it, it was a pretty big fuck up, and uh, I hope that I, I, you know, I don't get this uh, person in trouble, and, uh, you know, all is good, but, uh, you know, hey, I, I guess, <laughs> don't be talking out of school, you know what I mean, but yeah, that's a pretty big accounting error. New Beginnings. This is a story about perspective. We'll call this writer Akib. Akib got in and we were talking about COVID. And he said, you know, the last year has really drove a lot of people to a lot of things. That's what I don't like. Some people I know are drinking a lot. Some people can't take care of their families. Some people got divorced too. I said, yeah, there's a bunch of those. He said, there's a lot of domestic violence too. I said, yeah, I mean, shit, you know, you're spending more time with that person, the likelihood increases. He said, because look at it, in a week, you have five days where you see each other for just a few hours, and then suddenly, it's like you're both stuck together. But if they're like, okay, they'll be okay no matter what, but if they don't know each other well, that's it, done. I said, which is probably just better. Honestly, he said, it is good. It is good. I said, yeah, I'd rather, like, I don't wish that upon anybody, but uh, that that's probably just sped up the process and made the inevitable happen faster. And at that point, it's just, it's that's good. Like, hey, man, let's just rip the Band-Aid off. You know, and he said, yeah, and especially if you don't have kids. If you have kids, that's a big, big problem. But if they don't have kids, that's okay. It's better. Even if you were together for 10 years, and you're still like in your 30s. That's really good. Why spend another 30 years like that? I said, yeah, you and I think alike, Akib. He said, and it's it's like you don't know the person next to you. You don't even know them. No. And, and you're just wasting your youth at that point. And he said, and even with a company, if the company is not taking care of you, and it's like you're worthless to them, you got to come into work, you know at that moment, okay, this company as this, so you know what you need to do. I said, yeah, I mean, for as many things as COVID might have ended, just like we're talking about, it can be a million new beginnings. The marriages that end, the jobs that people leave, those are all opportunities to begin again, and that's a beautiful thing. And this is only, you know, it was like a five-minute ride, but that's where I leave you guys this week is... (laughs) You know, yeah, COVID fucked a lot of shit up, and a lot of people passed away, and th- and that's sad. There are no new beginnings for them, and and so okay, that one's pretty final, okay. But um, if you got laid off, if your business closed, if you got fired, 
if you broke up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, if you let friends walk out of your life. Hello, I I I did, you know, like if you're done begging people to stay, if you don't see the same group of people that you were seeing pre-COVID and doing some of the same things, like all of those things have come to an end. A lot of the ways that we previously did things that we did have come to an end. It's going to be a new experience the next time we do whatever it is that we do, okay? But that doesn't have to be a bad thing. So it's all about perspective. It's all about framing. If if this one thing ends, great. It's not the end of the world. Take a couple days. Get the fuck over it. Eat some chocolate ice cream, okay? Ben and Jerry's tubs for me. I love those shits, okay? Uh, but get over it and then you now have an opportunity to begin again. And that's where life, that's what life is. I mean, life is constantly starting over and stopping and starting over and stopping. This thing doesn't work out. This thing falls to shit. And this thing, and then you you just continue moving forward. Okay, I'm gonna pick myself back up. I'm gonna dust myself off. I'm not gonna be deterred by this bullshit because they wanna keep me down and they told me to quit. But fuck that, you know? That's that's what life is, man. And every ending brings a new opportunity to begin again. And that's really a beautiful thing. All right, guys, that's it. Uh, if you liked today's episode or you like any of the recent episodes, please leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I love that stuff. Um, I actually just got, this was so awesome. So uh, last week I told the story about Mia and Ava. It was a how we met story. And um, they ended up listening to the episode and they left me a rating and a review. And they said, loving it, five stars. I have never listened to a podcast until I got into an Uber with Benny T. Now I listen to one of his every day. He's hilarious and the insights he gives on certain issues is interesting. How we met, my favorite. But then again, it hits home. Thank you and keep it up. I'll continue listening for sure. So that was from those two writers from that story, which was awesome because uh, I'm always a little bit, you know, not scared. Because, because honestly, like you know, you know, look, I'm gonna tell the story, and um, if you don't like it, then you know, sue me. Um, I know that it's not libelous or that it's untrue. You know what I mean? Like this shit happened. This is exactly what people say. So there's, it, it really, you know, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Um, so I, I live with the comfort of knowing that that I'm not just making shit up. And, and this is real talk and this is how people talk and this is, you know, what people say and, and it is what it is. But I'm always a little bit hesitant because, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes when somebody hears something that they, that they say, they'll go, ooh, is that what I really sound like? I kind of don't like that. And then, you know, instead of being like taking ownership or accountability for it, they'll be like, well, that person lied or that's not what I said. And it's like, no, that's exactly what you fucking said. You just don't like the way that it like that it sounds when it's said back to you. You know what I mean? And that's probably the first time that they're realizing and taking a step back from them saying whatever they said and going, oh, wow. Yeah, that that's not great. You know, not great, Bob. Yeah, no shit. Um, and, and not that. Uh, me and Ava were like that at all. It's just that I'm always a little bit, you know, like what do people think? You know, if I tell a story and somebody hears it and it's about them, what do people think? But but I, I really don't have to worry about that because 
they know what they said. They know what I said. They know that I'm not making any of this shit up. So it's like, uh, yeah, you know, I, I they might they might have reaction to my reaction, you know, when I interject my opinion or commentary throughout our conversation, right? Like reading it back and listening to it back. But um, after that, it's like, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe you didn't like it, but uh, but I got that uh, review from them. And that was amazing because it was like, oh, good. Like somebody, you know, my, my worst kind of anxiety or fear about this was was just like neutralized because they, they liked it. And, uh, you know, that's cool to me. You know, that's really cool to me. Really good feedback. So really thankful. Please leave me a rating and a review if you haven't. If you enjoy this podcast, help a brother out. Leave me a rating and a review. I'll be back next week. Uber Stories Part 24. I think we're going to have Uber Stories. If the uh, snow doesn't clear up and we get more snow this weekend, like the radar was calling, like they were saying, uh, maybe we will, maybe we won't. I might just drop an interview or just uh, maybe just do a check-in and and just check-in. We'll see. We'll see what next week brings. But until then, be well, my friends. Be safe out there. And I'll talk to you next week. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's Real Talk.